Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Greetings, everyone, from the California Association of Realtors. This is your weekly Housing Matters podcast for June 17th. Uh, this is Leslie Appleton Young, CAR's Chief Economist, and I'm joined by... Oscar Way, Senior Economist at CAR. Good morning, good afternoon. And Jordan Levine from CAR. So I think the first thing that we should probably talk about, just because I'm gloating a tiny little bit, <laughs> is uh, what happened to the Fed um, uh, at the Fed this week. And as you probably know, they decided not to take um, any action. Jordan, what do you think is going on with, uh, with the Federal Reserve Board of Governors? You know, I think it's all the the jobs report. If you remember our episode one, I was obviously a late adopter of the no rate hike in June. <laughs> um, so yes, Leslie definitely nailed that one above me. But you know, I think it all comes down to this weak jobs number. I think when you look at inflation and things like that, um, some signs that that is stabilizing and supportive of of a rate increase. But but that really really lackluster jobs number really killed it. Now, earlier this week, I don't know if you both heard Doug Duncan, the chief economist from Fannie Mae, speak. Uh Um, What was his kind of take on what the Fed is going to be doing? Because I know they're obviously watching that uh, as closely as anyone. Definitely. Uh, Of course, the the Fed has been wanting to increase interest rate. We we kind of have the sense that they want to because they want to increase interest rate so that, you know, if there is any... Uh, sign of this uh, economy slowing down, the interest rate would be, the Fed funds rate would be something that they would use as a tool to help the economy comes up. But at the same time, of course, uh, as Doug said before, the interest rate is not only determined by Fed funds rate, but it's determined by also capital flowing into the bond market. There is the uh, short-term interest rates and the long-term interest rate. The short-term interest rate is mainly uh, due primarily uh, to the uh, adjustment in the Fed funds rate. But the long-term interest rate is due to capital flowing into Treasury market. It, when a lot of capital, foreign capital specifically, flowing to the safe haven in the U.S. Treasury, that tends to push the uh, bond prices up a little bit. And because of the uh, inverse relationship between bond prices and the yield, usually when bond price goes up, bond prices go up, we'll have lower yields. Uh, as such, last week, uh, towards the end of the week, I believe the 10-year Treasury yield got all the way down to about 1.64, and which is the lowest that we have seen in the last couple of years. And the 30-year fixed rate, a uh, 30-year yield went all the way down to 2.4, which is, I believe, the lowest that we have seen since the 70s or the 80s. So why don't we bring this around to the mortgage market and talk a little bit about mortgage rates. Jordan, where do you think we're headed there? Yeah, well, I mean, going back to what Doug said, and I think he put it very you know, succinctly, was that regardless of what you think the Fed is going to do, uh, and he was of the mind, I think, that they were going to raise at least one time this year, um, but he really said that the Fed funds rate really only affects the short end of the yield curve, meaning that it really only influences those short-term rates. And so um, even if the Fed does 
you know, raise that short-term rate. He was projecting that um, we would have mortgage rates that would remain in the kind of 4% range. He was saying all the way through the end of 2017. And I think there's some appeal to that argument because, as Oscar noted, I think the, the long end of that debt curve or the yield curve really are um, a function of, of global capital flows. And, and I don't see those uh, easing up anytime. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I, I certainly concur. In fact, I don't think rates are really the issue with the California uh, housing market right now. I mean, certainly uh, buyers, and particularly uh, first-time buyers, are looking at what, what is their monthly nut going to be whenever they go out and look at homes. And I don't think um, I don't think they're going to be disappointed by the um, by the rate environment. That really isn't the issue. It's really more. Um, inventory and affordability. So let me segue into our news for this week, and that is that um, we finally finished uh, crunching the numbers for May sales and prices. And I'd like to start out with kind of the sales environment and ask, what do you guys think? Where, where, how do, how are we looking so far this year? Now, the May data is what we have, and the latest sales statistics shows that we are still above the 400,000 mark uh, at a seasonally adjusted basis, which is not bad, not bad at all. It, in fact, it's actually the highest that we have seen so far this year. Of course, there are other factors as well. Supply is a big issue. We have always talked about supply. And Leslie, you are absolutely right. Interest rate, yeah, if it adjusts by a 25 basis point, 50 basis point, it's not the biggest uh, problem to the uh, housing demand. Uh, the big and we're looking at a, a monthly fixed rate mortgage in, in May of 3.6%. I mean, that's right. that's pretty nice. <laughs> right. And, and I don't for, I don't see, you know, rate going up, you know, high uh, by maybe not even b- uh, about 4%, you know, uh, before the end of the year. But at the same time, you know, when we have increase in sales and not enough supply, we also have this uh, uh, problem with uh, imbalance between supply, which put market competitive which put competitiveness in the market which tend to push home prices up a little bit and as such you know if you take a look at the median price uh, in May we're actually uh, at 518,760 which is about 6.3 percent higher than last year again to put things into perspective that is the highest that we have seen since the fall of 2007 yeah, definitely. I think the 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 key is that we're really starting to see these kind of low levels of inventory start to eat into sales, especially when you kind of dip down below the state level. That's where you really start to see things um, going a bit askew in the sense that um, up till this point, we've managed to, to maintain relatively steady levels of home sales. Um, but inventories continue to dwindle, uh, and you're starting to see, especially in places like the Bay Area where the inventory is the tightest, is that's really starting to eat into the ability of that region to continue to grow home sales. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you look at the San Francisco Bay Area writ large in, in May, and sales were down 5.1%. If you remove the Bay Area from the calculation, sales were actually up in Southern California, up in the Inland Empire, up in... Um, up in the Central Valley. So it's this Bay Area. And let me give everybody a little bit of a reality check. The median home price in San Francisco in May was $1.4 million. In San Mateo, it was $1.38 million. In Santa Clara, it was $1.1 million. So you are looking at an area that exemplifies 
the tightening in terms of lack of inventory, although they're seeing a little bit more inventory because prices have gotten, um, have ex- the price appreciation have accelerated so much that affordability is getting to be a little bit of an issue um, as well. It's kind of hard to separate out in an area like San Francisco, however, because it is the strongest regional economy, not just in California, but in the country. So you have a, a very high demand and the jobs that are being created are, are high, uh, high income, high knowledge intensive workers. So you have this burgeoning demand and we've been seeing it for the last three years or so meeting uh, a supply that's fairly fixed. Um, and that's, you know, being played out in the in these kind of uh, median home prices. Uh, is there any relief in sight? Well, of course, we look at a few things. Um, we can take a look at, you know, existing housing stocks, existing inventory. For one thing, uh, we want to question whether existing homeowners, whether they are planning to put their house up on the market. Now, anecdotally, if I've heard at the national level, we're seeing some uh, increase in supply. And at the state level, we are seeing a little bit of an improvement. Uh, maybe because of a couple reasons, those sellers or those homeowners who want to uh, put their hub, uh, put, uh, they want to move to their next home, they're looking at the interest rate level as an opportunity to put their house up on the market and move on to the next home, maybe. Uh, so we're seeing a little bit of an improvement, but if you're just judging by the, the recent report, the latest report, it looks like Bay Area, we're seeing a little bit of an uptake. Now that, I have to be, I have to question, you know, the uptake a little bit. Now whether that is because of drop in sales uh, rather than increase in supply, that we'll have to wait and see. But in some of the other areas, such as Inland Valley, such as Central Valley, we're still, still seeing very tight supply. Not as tight as the Bay Area, but we're seeing tight supply because you know, we're seeing, seeing some job growth and where the, where the area is where the affordability is. Yeah, I mean, that's the big question that I have is that, you know, we always talk about how tight inventories are now and how we're well below what we see in a in a normal market. And so maybe I just wanted to throw out to you guys what what you think about, you know, what constitutes normal moving forward. We've got all these kind of cyclical issues where folks, you know, have lost homes during the downturn and can't get back into the market. Um, You know, we've got people who own homes now and don't want to sell because they don't want to turn around and be a buyer. All kinds of structural issues associated with, you know, public policy at the at the state and national level. and, and so I'm just wondering, does that change? I know we always talk about six months of supply kind of being that benchmark level, but I think taking into account all of these factors that we see happening, um, some of which are structural and probably long-lasting, I mean, is that six month of supply number a realistic uh, thing that we should be expecting the market to get back to? You know, Jordan, I think um, I would categorically um, say no. I think that we have had a... Uh, discontinuity. I think we have had a reduction in what I would consider to be the normal inventory. And we started calculating the unsold inventory index back in the 80s. So for 25 years, the average was six to seven months supply. But if you look at the last four years, the average is between, you know, three to four months supply. So I think we have had a, um, a permanent, at least for now, reduction because the only way that that's going to change um, is um, is to get more supply on the market, and that means getting more velocity, getting more 
of the existing homeowners to make a change. And I think that's the other thing that's changed significantly. And we've talked about this before, that the longtime homeowners, let me just call them baby boomers as a, as a shorthand, are staying in their homes much longer. If you look at the turnover rate for the housing stock in California in the mid to late 70s, we were turning over about 8, eight 9% a year. And today it's half, it's half that. You know, so people are staying in their homes a lot longer for a whole series of reasons, right? The boomers aren't going down easy. They're working longer because they either want to or have to. But I think it's really more than that. I think it's an affordability issue, giving up that tax basis, paying capital gains, realizing the inventory's tight so there's nowhere to go. I think some of these are kind of soft qualitative reasons and some of them are very hard and fast. Do the math, it doesn't pencil out. But I don't know, what do you think, Oscar? I'm, I'm really on the side of I think we are in a lower uh, inventory environment for the foreseeable future. And I, I agree with you because you know we have a structural issue as or structural issues, as Jordan and Leslie mentioned, the demographics are changing. You know, and the uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, of course, we have, you know, very affordable home price, and at the same time, you know, we don't have a, a gap between the different demographic generation. When I say a gap, you know, we obviously know, and we talked about this before, the um, baby boomers tend to be a bigger population compared to Gen X, and then we have a bigger generation, which is the millennial. So the Gen X is right in the middle, and they're the smaller population. The, the problem with Gen X is, of course, many of them bought their properties during the uh, uh, a couple of years before the Great Recessions, and the Great Recession hit hard. Many of the Gen X became non-homeowners. So we have a, a, a void there because many of those Gen X are not homeowners. They're not turning their home over. And so at the same time, the big gen, uh, big population, the millennial, they didn't really have a chance to buy a home because when Great Recession set, uh, hit, a lot of them did not get a job. Many of them actually moved back in with their folks, and some may be able to save some money, but at the same time, many of them, again, they were unemployed. They couldn't find a job. And when uh, things got a little bit better in 2010, 2011, they first they needed to save up enough money to move out of the parents' place, but when they saved up enough money to move out, rent started rising again. Remember, a year or two years ago, rental properties uh, was in great demand. So, home, uh, rent rents average rents has gone up significantly since then. But I do want to ask a question. I want to ask the questions of to Jordan and Leslie. What about uh, new inventory? Now, I talk, we talked about existing inventory. What about new constructions? I know we've talked about this before, but is there any chance that we might see increase in uh, new construction? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely of the mind that we're going to see ongoing increases. We've had a pretty good run of new building permits up to this point in time. A uh, big chunk of those have been concentrated on multifamily, trying to take advantage of these you know positive trends in the rental market. But we have started to see single family uh, come back around, and I think we'll continue to see new construction, I'm just more dubious about how much of an impact uh, that's going to have. Any new supply is definitely welcome news in California, uh, but the challenge that we have is that we're um, you know, facing a, a multi-decade uh, 
consistent chronic undersupply of new construction. And so even though we're building more now, we've got a huge new supply hole uh, to dig ourselves out of. And so, yes, to answer your question, I think we will see um, new supply, but do I think that's going to translate into meaningful increases in unsold inventory? That part I'm less optimistic about. Yeah, earlier this week, I had the opportunity to participate in a USC uh, SCAG, that's the Southern California Association of Governments demographic workshop um, mm-hmm. uh, at USC, and it was it was really interesting. There were a lot of great speakers, and and one of them was from um, from Sacramento, kind of talking about what the housing needs are and what the housing supply um, supply is, and just kind of based on demographics and job growth, his estimate was we need about 180,000 new units a year in California to meet the demand. And we haven't seen that in nine or 10 years. In fact, 2016 is the first year since I believe 2007 that we've breached the 100,000 unit mark. So there's this huge deficit. And clearly, as Jordan said, every little bit helps. Absolutely, we've got construction going on. But it's not enough. It's not a lot of it is higher end construction. I mean, it's condos that are, um, you know, at the upper end of the price scale. It's new multifamily, but it's high end rentals. And so what you're seeing, and I think we'll save this for another um, another podcast, is migration out of California to more affordable areas. And it really is this affordability story that. Um, you know, we've seen it before, and um, you know, one of the things that happened, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago when you had people leaving California, as we called them the boomerang group, because they came back because they couldn't find another place that they really enjoyed living. And today, there's a lot of other cool places in the country uh, to live, and we've got competition, right? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, even on the tech side, right? You used to think Silicon Valley is synonymous with tech, but you know, even in today's day and age, you know, the Bay Area is not the only game in town for tech. We can go to Austin. We can go to Colorado and Denver and Boulder or Boston. Um, and so we've got to do a lot more uh, to to kind of stay on top and, and to be competitive. And I think housing is, is one of the only tools that we have to be able to address that. Absolutely. And I think it is going to mean that as we look forward 10, 20, um, even more years than that, that you are going to see these other parts of the country, be it you know, Austin or, you know, the tech triangle in North, uh, North Carolina or, um, you know, Portland and Boulder. And there's just a lot of places where you've got people, again, enhanced by technology and enhanced by being able to work at home. And, and I think you're seeing more and more of that in the newer, in the newer uh, companies. So California will always be a fabulous place to live and work and, and play. But we've got competition, and I think you're seeing people that would love to stay here if they can figure out a way. And in a future podcast, we will be talking about programs for first-time home buyers and really how to approach your first foray into home ownership. But I can't, um, I can't lie. Sometimes I feel like uh, I read these statistics, and it's time for a martini. <laughs> Now, Leslie, let me, let me ask you another question. And, of course, we just talked about the long-term trend. Um, short-term-wise, are we still pretty optimistic about this year for 2016? You know, um, we've had to revise our forecast. I, our original estimate was that we were going to see sales growth at 6.3%. 
um, this year, and our revised forecast is for a 1.3% increase. So that's a pretty significant um, drop. Uh, the sign is still the same. We still see a slight amount of growth, but we really, um, I think, maybe underestimated the um, impact of a very muted supply response um, and again, affordability on the other mm -hmm. on the other hand. So I think the story remains the same. We're also forecasting a five percent increase in price. It may be even a little bit more than that. So that is in the general area of what our um, our original forecast last fall was. But yes, we are seeing a bit of a pullback in our overall projections for growth this year. Still a good year, but again, we've we've gone through the challenges. That's great. I mean, of course, we also didn't expect first quarter to be at 0.5 or 0.8 percent as far as economic growth is concerned. Hopefully the second quarter will be a little bit better. Yeah, so I think maybe we'll wrap up now um, and save some of this other great stuff for, for next week. Are there any closing thoughts, uh, Jordan, well, before we close? No, I'd say it's still you know a positive story overall. The demand side is good. When you look at our, our recent release, I wouldn't make um, too much out of the negative growth rate on a year-over-year -year basis because we're still maintaining a, a relatively good clip on on home sales. Thanks, you know, only due to really strong demand and definitely not supply. Right. Great. Oscar? And one more thing, you know, of course, some of you may be following our pending sales index, and of course, based on our pending sales index, we're still very optimistic because uh, from the April pending index, we're still seeing a growth in uh, closed sales. So hopefully. In the upcoming month and maybe in July, we will see some increase in sales. And while preliminary for May, we have not really finalized those numbers yet, but it seems like we are seeing some good signs on uh, the upcoming months as well. And so I would just like to close with my uh, Federal Reserve forecast for the <laughs> funds rate and say on Friday, June 17th, that I do not think we will see any increases between now and the end of the year. So I know I'm going out of on a limb here with my fellow economists, but I just wanted to put that out there and we'll see what happens. So um, anyway, thank you for joining us for the Housing Matters podcast, and we look forward to talking with you again next Friday.